Welcome to Body of Work Bites, the new bite-sized podcast series from the Heritage Team at the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons of Glasgow. Join me, Kirsty Early, and my colleague Claire Harrison. Hello. As we talk about some of the stories from the college's heritage in small, digestible episodes. This week's episode is about Mernskirk Hospital and the items in our collection that we have relating to it. So um, this week we're going to do something a bit different in that I will do the biography this week and Claire will take us through some of the the items in our collections, um, which are very exciting and they're quite unique actually. It's quite, um, not to spoil it yet, but um, I think they're they're quite a fave for all of us, really, because they're so different from what we usually have. Yeah, yeah. So not in terms of what is in the collection, in terms of the items, it's more what they show that is yeah. unique. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just, uh, in our collections, it's not just random knives and saws. We have uh, quite a nice variety. Um, but yeah, anyway, let's get crack-a-lacking. Um, so, Mernskirk Hospital. So this was a hospital that was up and running for most part of the 20th century um, from about the 30s until the 90s. So that's a, that's a decent chunk of time. It was situated just southwest of Glasgow and East Renfrewshire. So I am terrible at coordinates, so I always have to say um, never eat shredded wheat for my coordinates. Do, do, do you do that? What yep. was the one that you yep. learned? No, no, that's the classic one. Kirk was just southwest of Glasgow, and it was originally set up as a hospital for children that were affected by problems that were caused by tuberculosis. So, Claire, you and I both know um, just through through our work and through the collections that tuberculosis was quite a big thing, um, <laughs> quite a big thing in the 19th and 20th centuries, but... Um, specifically in Glasgow as well. Um, a lot of people were affected by tuberculosis. Um, so what tuberculosis is, tuberculosis is an infectious condition caused by the bacterium myobacterium tuberculosis. So it is spread um, through close contact with infected individuals, so through um, airborne means and like droplets. So it would be like sneezing or, or coughing or spitting. Um, that's how it's passed on. So it mainly affects the lungs of those that have it, but it can also cause problems in other parts of the body, such as, as bones and, and joints. So the most obvious sy- symptom that you'll see, um, mainly in media, I think, as well, um, is have you ever watched a show, like a, a, period, a period drama or something, and someone just suddenly starts coughing and then they cough into like a tissue. The white hanky. The white hanky, and then suddenly there's droplets of blood. And then all the audience goes, ah, and they're like, it's tuberculosis. That's the most obvious um, symptom, but there's plenty of others that I'm sure doctors can talk about. I'm not going to talk about them because I'm not a doctor, <laughs> as I have to keep reminding my friends. <laughs> do you ever get that for working for like a medical college? Does anyone ever do that to you? No, but I was super proud of myself because I diagnosed one of my friends correctly once. <laughs> and I did tell her I'd base that entirely on like 17th century medical text. <laughs> she'd said it, she'd phone me up and she's discussing it. I was like, mm-hmm, yeah, I think that sounds like, and obviously I went to the doctor and came back, it was that. <laughs> so, 
Anyway, so a lot of people in, in the 20th century, especially if they lived in overcrowded cities, um, so cities like Glasgow, London and Edinburgh, there were really high rates of tuberculosis. Glasgow had a really hard time actually getting rid of tuberculosis compared to other cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and for example, my gran had tuberculosis and she was sent to a sanatorium when she was young and she was there for you know months at a time. And when I was, you know, when I was a kid, she would look after me quite a bit when I was at, because um, her house was right down by my primary school. And I was like a rascal as a child, surprising. Um, and I would like spit um, in the street like a wee grotty child that I was. That's disgusting. Yeah, uh-huh, it is disgusting, isn't it? Yeah. And my every time my grandma was like, she would say, don't spit, you'll pass something on. And it was because... You know that she'd lived with tuberculosis, and yeah. that's how it was passed on. Mm-hmm. So um, I would always just like be like, "Shut up!" Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was such a nightmare of a child. Um, so yeah, for the first decade of Merinskirk's um, running, it ran as a hospital for children who had tuberculosis. To go back a bit, um, treatment of tuberculosis at this time was a bit difficult. So um, obviously. Later on, um, in about the mid-20th century, tuberculosis was treated with antibiotics, a specific antibiotic called streptomycin. But at the start, it was all about allowing the lungs to rest. But at sanatoriums like Merrin's Kirk, um, a lot of the treatment was to do with rest, so general bed rest, but also fresh air and sunlight. Mm-hmm. So this would be away from from cities and from pollution, and the fresh air would be just cleaner. So it would be um, cleaner air and in places that aren't that humid. So thankfully, Scotland as a country isn't that humid anyway. But that was because if it was a less humid place, um, it would be a slower transmission of tuberculosis. So it wouldn't necessarily completely stop transmission, but the transmission would be so slow that the likelihood of it being passed on was a lot less than in overcrowded, dirty cities like Glasgow. Um, so a lot of the children um, in Merinskirk would be in bed, but these beds would have wheels on them um, and they'd be wheeled outside into the sunlight for the fresh air. And a lot of images that you'll see of sanatoriums, whether in Glasgow or elsewhere in the world, usually they're long, quite long wards with large windows that would open out into patios um, for for children to be um, wheeled out onto. Now, obviously, the children that um, had a bit more energy didn't necessarily need bed rest, could walk around. Merinskirk was pretty much ideal for this because it had quite large grounds, large gardens, a lot of open space for the children to be able to do activities in, um, but also rest at the same time. So the first superintendent, is it still called super? Or do we still get superintendents of hospitals today? I don't know. I always relate that to like a, an American high school or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I assume it's just like the, the head. Um, the first superintendent of Merinskirk was a man called John Wilson. But the second superintendent was a man called Dr. Alexander Dale. And the reason that we focus on him more than John Wilson is because uh, the items in our collection relating to Merinskirk actually 
belonged to him and his wife, Dr. Elizabeth Dale. So it's not that John Wilson wasn't important. It's just we know more about Alexander Dale. (laughs) So Dr. Alexander Dale was born in Glasgow in 1901. Uh, Good year. Uh, Turning in the 1900s always reminds me of like Moulin Rouge. It's like the revolution. But it's definitely not Paris. It's Glasgow. Um, And he studied medicine at the University of Glasgow and ended up specialising in surgery. So he he graduated in about 1925 and then started working in Mernskirk pretty much straight away. So a few years after he graduated, he was working in Mernskirk as the assistant superintendent. His specialist area on surgery seemed to be orthopedic surgery, so bones and joints. So he would deal with a lot of uh, conditions that would affect the musculoskeletal system, whether from birth or acquired later in life. And um, he would perform surgery to correct these conditions. So this was quite ideal in Merenskirk because a lot of the children um, who were suffering from tuberculosis, that tuberculosis had often spread from their lungs to joints. So um, a lot of the children would um, would have, uh, you see images of them. And what's the, it's obviously bandages and casts, but um, I think Glaswegians would call them stookies. Yeah. Being stookies, which sounds like a really bad word, but it's not. It literally just means a cast. Um, and he would have um, treated them for that. So yeah, he he did a lot of great work at Merenskirk, helping helping the children, him and his wife, Doctor Elizabeth Dale. Um, and yeah, they did a lot more than just treat um, the patients there. It was all about the experience of the patients in these sanatoriums. So when you when you think about it in sanatoriums, being there months. So like when my gran would talk about it, she was talking about you know being there for months at a time it's incredibly isolating experience I mean yes you are there with other patients in these large busy wards but you know you're you're away from your family you're away from friends you know and a lot of the children in Merenskirk were very young um so it would have been an incredibly difficult time but what is apparent is that Alexander Dale um, his wife Dr Elizabeth Dale and also one of their friends uh, a man called Mr Alfred Ellsworth who was um, a philanthropist, I can't say that word, who was a philanthropist, um, but he owned a confectionery out in Brigton. Um, they did a lot to to make the experience of staying at Merenskirk somewhat enjoyable, more enjoyable than just being there as a sanatorium. But that's what is different about this collection in, 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 our, in our heritage collection. Is that it's not just information about a hostel but it's actually the efforts that these people went through to make a really difficult time um a bit more enjoyable for patients and and staff at that hospital and it's really similar to what we're going through today in the pandemic um times where people are isolated and and you know can't can't see friends and family it's little things that really uh, go a long way and make us smile but claire I'm going to pass over to you so you can talk about some of the actual items in our collection that we have to do with Merrin's Kirk. Yeah, so I think we said at the beginning it's a different mm. collection than what we're used to, and I think that's because it's actually quite a... Although it deals with difficult subjects and it is quite sad to see the children in the bandages and they're obviously quite poorly, it's mm. actually quite a joyful collection. Mm. Um, it's probably... I think it's no secret it's one of my favourite collections. Yeah. It's... Um, I don't know if we're supposed to have favourites, but I think we'll have. Yeah, we can. I mean, I talk about it all the time. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's sort of more a new discovery for you, the men's Kirk one. You've really got into it in the past year. Yeah, in the past year, I've kind of gone deep dive. Gone deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gone deep. <laughs> but it's always yeah. been yours. It's always kind of been your 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 area. If we if we have like dibs, you've always had dibs. dibs. <laughs> yeah. So I'll just very briefly say what's in the men's coat collection. So there is correspondence and all that kind of thing in the collection and notes and the usual thing like that. But it's a massive um, photographic collection. There's hundreds of photos mm. in it. Um, and there's photos of patients and there's photos of staff. There's photos of the ground and the hospital in general. Um, but they're all such lovely, happy photos. There's very few. So I suppose if we look at other photo collections in our archive, they tend to be quite clinical yeah. or they just focus on the staff or the building itself. I mean, it's focused very heavily on the patients, even the visitors as well. So it's it's very different for us in that way. So it's not unique in no. the sense that um, we're talking about different items. It's more what they show that's the unique part of it. Mm. Um, but it has some absolutely lovely pictures in it. So uh, we were talking about the... Um, treatment with fresh air and sunlight so we have pictures of the kids on the veranda in the beds getting some heliotherapy mm-hmm. um, and there's things like um, I think they're quite progressive there so there's other pictures of them um, in the underwater exercise bath yeah um, so all mud cons and I'm obviously quite proud of that because there's loads of pictures of it but um, what I'm actually doing today because I'm in college I actually picked a box at random Mm. of photographs and I'm just looking through them now and there is one I don't know if it's in this one of um the underwater exercise bath and it's got two kids in it and they're actually in tears but not because they're in the bath I don't think it's because they're being visited by characters from the pantomime that the hospital had obviously put on um so so they're quite funny as well some of the photos yeah wait are they terrified of the pantomime people Yes. Right. Yeah. Oh, I thought there were like tears of joy, like, oh, my word, the panto. No. No. <laughs> okay, that's so different. <laughs> so it does sort of like, if people think these photos are posed and it's all fake, definitely not, because no. these two kids are absolutely terrified, blessed mm. of the uh, panto villains. I remember but, yeah. I was like, we went to our local library in, in White Inch and there was a puppet show and I was terrified of like one of the puppets that my mum had to take me out and we had to go home. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, but it's a great collection. So as well as the treatments and stuff, there's then all the special events and things they put on for the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things they still do now, it's part of um, York Hill, is the Taxis to Troom. That's mm. actually started at Mainskirk. And so we have photos of the taxis going with the kids in and them getting to the beach and all mm-hmm. that kind of thing as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then just... Um, events that they hold at the hospital as well. Um, yeah, because so not every patient was able to actually um, get outside the hospital. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the other thing. So I, I don't know what this is for, but um, my favourite picture in the whole collection is um, obviously of a dog. Obviously. Um, obviously. Um, who is, it's sort of like pet therapy, so he's going round the beds to the kids that are bedridden. You can see that they can't get outside. Yeah. Um, and it's just such a gorgeous photo of him visiting the bedside of a little girl. Mm. but before that the dog had been outside um walking on a tightrope as it does <laughs> you imagine me <laughs> trying to get tav to walk on a tightrope <laughs> yeah um so this is this is quite the dog um quite but the box i picked up at random has more photos of the dog in mm. um, but i think the dog's gone rogue in these ones he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing 
He's chased, knocked over a chair. Chasing his tail. Jump, yeah, jumping over <laughs> and chasing his tail. So. so there's stuff like that as well. Just like the things, it shows the different things that the hospital held mm. just to make the days a bit better for the kids and probably to raise a bit of money as well. Mm. Yeah, um, because obviously the hospital, you know, this was before the NHS. So they would have yeah. been really reliant on, on, on funding councils and, and getting money where they could. But um, yeah. it wasn't just, you know, fantastic dogs that visited the hospital either. We've got a good few famous faces from the 20th century in those photographs, don't we, that, that visited? Yeah. yeah. Um, so the most famous, well, I don't think she went to the hospital. I think this was like a gala event for that she hospital. came to. Yeah. 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 And that's Judy Garland. Judy Garland. Judy Garland, yeah, and it's um, it's funny because it's in like a pile of photos, and you're going through the photos, and then suddenly yeah. there's Judy Garland, <laughs> yeah. as you do. <laughs> yeah, that's quite funny. But yeah, but stars did visit the hospital quite regularly. So um, Ray Rogers mm-hmm. came. Um, his visit to Glasgow is quite famous anyway because his horse came with him. The horse yeah. Yeah. didn't no. go to the hospital. I don't think we don't have any pictures if it did. We have no photos. Um, yeah. There's then lots of like radio stars and film stars but probably we don't recognize the name so much anymore no i would say my papa would yeah your parents or your grandparents talk about and then Mm. are horrified when they find out you've got no idea who they're talking about basically yeah but basically all the all the film stars that could do they could sing they could dance they could tap dance while holding a sofa you know it was those kind of stars that were (laughs) that were visiting um kirk and i think one of it's just great that we have that in, like, a medical collection. Do you know what I mean? A medical collection. Yeah. It's it's so yeah. nice to have this kind of, like, not hidden gem, but it's such a gem that we're just... Mm-hmm. I feel like any time we, we have visits and, you know, when we get to do that in person again and they want some of the items out and they, they let us choose, we're just like, oh, okay, let's get the photos out. <laughs> yeah. Let's get more out. Yeah, they always come out. Um but yeah, it's it's just yeah, it's a lovely, lovely collection. And um, so our new exhibition is um, Words of Hope and Kindness, and I think this collection really does sort of show that in such a lovely way. Because mm. like we were talking about the dog before, even though that child can't get outside to watch mm-hmm. the event that's going on, they still bother to take the dog into the wards yeah. to see the kids that can't get out. And it's just the look of joy on the face is just lovely. And getting little tiny small gifts at Christmas as well. They obviously mm. have Santa coming to visit the ward and Santa Oh, don't get me started about the Santas though. Yeah. The Santas are but terrifying. Are scary. <laughs> but it's the presents we're going to focus on, not the yeah. terrifying Santa in the corner. Um, yeah. But it's yeah, nice it's that things like that still happen today. So like there's therapy yeah. dogs in some wards mm-hmm. and like, you know, you see celebs dress up as superheroes yeah. and going in yeah. to kids' hospitals. But um yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, nice. I that sort of think it. that's a new thing, or a relatively recent thing, anyway. But that's like from the thirties onwards. Yeah, Kirk was doing that. But yeah, yeah, it is just those little acts of kindness, like just bringing a small gift for a child, mm. just that you know can't get out of bed most yeah. days. And that's what yeah. the whole new exhibition is about: is is little acts of kindness that bring hope to people through, obviously, the recent difficult time of the pandemic. But you know. It's just, it's the small things in life that can really leave a lasting impact on people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we hope that when people see these photos in the exhibition or online on our website, they just, whatever day you're having, what, 
whatever week you're having, you get a wee smile from seeing a wee kids with a teddy bear. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Only it, I, I think it's like when people, I, I, I think um, when people will probably eventually ask us what's our favourite photo from mm-hmm. the collection, I'm like, well, we've we've not even seen all of them yet. That's the thing. So yeah. we can say what our favourite is now, like the dog mm-hmm. or... or um, you know the kids at the beach but I there's maybe another one <laughs> yeah well you found one I'd not seen before with the little girl that's had the present of the telephone oh and God. she's holding it to her ear that's it just... is so adorable because she's got yeah. like she has hair like I had which I still have I had when I was a kid which is just ridiculously curly and just mm-hmm. with and she's yeah there sitting on her bed with her teddy bear and then a telephone in the other hand as if she's talking to her pal and she's like three, and you're just like suddenly crying. <laughs> Happy tears. Happy tears, but it's just like I didn't. Know. It's one of those moments where you're just weeping, um, in a nice way. Um, but yeah, if we go back to um, the hospital, so the hospital after the war, um, it did go back to predominantly a hospital for um, tuberculosis, but it would be. Rather than just children, it would be have been anyone that was impacted, and um, I don't like to use the word suffering, but basically had tuberculosis. Um, so that could be all ages. So that's there's definitely a part in the photo collection, maybe from from after the war onwards and during the war, where we see um, older patients come in. Um, mm-hmm. Like we've got a photograph of um, quite an er- elderly man, but he's he's got this toothless smile and he's enjoying um, a bowl of soup. And it's just fantastic. Um, So this was later on um, after the war. So as with many hospitals in big cities, um, Merenskirk changed a lot um, after after this point. So obviously we have the NHS coming into um, existence. Child health began to improve from the 50s onwards, especially with the introduction of um, the the antibiotic uh, streptomycin um, to treat tuberculosis. So less children with tuberculosis were actually needing to be treated. So at this point, Mernskirk then became a general hospital. Um, But as with many other smaller hospitals in and around Glasgow, parts of Mernskirk, all the different kind of departments, so we had um, surgical departments, laboratories, the the kind of physiotherapy department that Claire was talking about before with the swimming pool, um, these moved to larger hospitals and were absorbed by larger hospitals, um, which is, is, is it, it basically happens every, every so often. It's kind of what's happened recently with the um, Queen Elizabeth Hospital, um, how that kind of just took on a lot of different hospitals in and around the West End, for example. So the same thing happened with Marion's Kirk before. Um, so... It got to such an extent that less and less was needed from the Merenskirk Hospital that it actually um, stopped being a hospital um, and and turned into um, a home for the care the care of the elderly. Um, so parts of the original building, I'm pretty sure, are still there um, in Newton Merens, um, and there's there's a fantastic. I'll I'll plug the website, which is nothing to do with us, but there's a fantastic website with um, much more information called the um, Merns History Group website, um, which has a great amount of information, not just about the hospital, but just the area on, and the parish of Merns in, in general. For such a kind of suburban town, um, it has a, an awesome history. So I would definitely say um, visit that there. But yeah, so that was um, Merns Kirk and the 
It's not officially called the Alexander Dale Collection, but we call it that just because it's it's easier. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's definitely one of it. It's one of our favorite. I think we can say it's a favorite. It's yeah. a favorite of our heritage yeah. collections. So um, it was an easy episode um, to say, yeah, we'll do that as a subject. Yeah, but. Um, I'm pretty sure the next episode of Body of Work Likes is Vesalius. Oh, you're going to love that. Oh. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Body of Work Likes. You can find more information on the episode topic on our Heritage blog, heritageblog.rcpsg.ac.uk. If you have any questions, please feel free to email us at library at rcpsg.ac.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at RCPSG Heritage, and you can also subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>